0: Hi, everybody. I'm Peter Travers, and this is Popcorn, where we tell you what is popping in the culture and especially at the movies. And if you're looking for a movie to see now, forget all these like Marvel, Star Wars things. There is a movie called Heart Beats Loud, and my guest today, Nick Offerman, is here and he's in it. And you know, a lot of people think of Nick all the time as being funny because he is, but I'm a critic who sees him do serious things that other people flock in droves away from, you know, (laughs) like Smashed was another really one of those. Wow. This is a performance of you, not in a supporting role, but the lead.
1: Yeah. The lead. Imagine.
0: (laughs) But you were really, really good in it. Well, thank you. There's an absence of bulls**t. In your performance, I can't really say that, so, but I did. <laughs> It'll be fixed in the bleeping. Sure. So, welcome to the show. Thank For the first you. First time I've had you here. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, tell the world who you're playing in Hearts Beat Loud.
1: I play a character named
0: Frank Fisher.
1: Uh, well, that's enough. Okay. <laughs> Not really. C- uh, cute, incredibly cute, cute. guy. Uh, he is. He, he's a single dad running a, a failing vinyl store in Brooklyn, Red Hook, Brooklyn, and he has a daughter who's leaving for college. Um, they love playing music together, and it's my character's dream to ha- be a successful band. You know, to be to be a musician, and things are just starting to pop for he and his daughter when she has to leave for college. So that creates this conflict. Um, Blythe Danner plays my, my adorably dotty mother. Uh, Ted Danson is my uh, inescapably charming bartender and friend. Tony Collette is the landlady I'm trying to get to kiss me. Mm-hmm. And Sasha Lane is uh, amazing as, as my daughter's girlfriend. So you couldn't get anyone to be in the movie with you? We, I, it's a, you know, it's it's a credit to Brett Haley and his scripts that he writes with Mark Bash, and uh, and his direction. Because his previous two films, I'll See You in My Dreams and The Hero, communicated, uh, besides being wonderful films, they tell actors, you'll have a good time. This director will give you something to chew on. Well, you had something to chew
0: on because this guy. The way you just described it, it it could be in an outline something that is very much a formula, okay, father and daughter, but no, your guy is Frank, is in a good deal of pain, you no, know? he's the daughter's going away to college to study medicine. She doesn't want anything to do with music, and basically, when you sell your vinyl store, you're selling part of who you are, sure, what your life is,
1: but that's that's what I loved about this script is that this character is so well written as a complicated human being he and his daughter who's the magnificent kiersey clemens i mean she's the shining star among that cast i listed off she rises even above it um we have this relationship where you're never sure at any given time who's the parent and who's the kid who's who's going to be responsible in any given situation and i just i really loved that um my wife and her mom died in a bicycle accident 11 years ago so that's the main pain and loss that we're dealing with and there's a sensibility of can we move forward in our lives mm-hmm. can we still have beauty can uh, can our dreams in my case the dream of playing music to entertain people you know can you hang on to your dream while leaving the past behind and moving forward so it's it's quite evocative and moving and it's, it's well written. You know, I didn't have to dig very deep because the scenes are really well crafted. Some great scenes with you and Danza in that
0: bar. It's nice to see him bartending again. I know. I, know? It was. I, I'm sure there were some
1: jokes. There, yes, there mm-hmm. was some mention of his past behind the bar. Mm-hmm. And he's, Ted's very funny about it. He said he gets he's terrified when he gets back there because he was never actually very good at bartending. And, you know, people think of him as this famous bartender, mm-hmm. but he, he's actually just a famous, charming actor. <laughs> so he, he, he knows he,
0: nothing about
1: He bartenders. wasn't hired for his
0: pint glass acumen. <laughs> See, acumen is another one of those great words that you seem to have at your bidding.
1: Well, I do love words. I'm, I'm always a student of it. And before we're done, I'll get three of them wrong, and I, I trust you guys to either... Cut them out gently or uh, at least make a dollar at my expense.
0: There's a, there was a great thing when you and uh, your wife, Megan Mullally, just, just drop a name. Just, yeah. yeah,
1: okay, yeah.
0: <laughs> we're doing your, I, I don't know why I wanted to call it your live sex tour, because it really wasn't that. But That's what we were trying to get it, across, though. It was live. It And you're sitting in the car on the way to a performance where she's correcting your pronunciation of every single word. Is that
1: drawn from life? Uh, Sure. I mean, she she was an English major (laughs) and an art history major. And so one of the things I love about her is that she's erudite. She reads voraciously. And so we both love language. Uh, It's part of our art and uh and so you know once in a while i'll get to chime in and say i'm not sure if it's detritus or detritus and here's the thing i grew up in a small town in illinois and i loved reading and still do but i didn't have people to bounce language off of and so when that's the case when you read the lord of the rings you have to decide how all these names are pronounced Mm -hmm. And then years later, when you see the movies and, and they say Legolas, you're like, well, that's not, how, that's not how it's pronounced. Peter Jackson, that's a swing and a miss. The rest of this, you've done a nice job. But uh, it's true with, with Megan and I. And so, you know, I've found that I can either uh, bristle and take umbrage when she does that, or I can say thank you for improving me.
0: And I'm assuming she has.
1: In so many ways. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm the, the clean, uh, well-manicured creature you see in front of you is her creation.
0: But look at you now.
1: You're just super trim. Well, you know, one of the greatest things that happened to me when I got the job on Parks and Recreation, my boss, Mike Schur, said, I really like this character, Beefy. I, I would appreciate it if you would stay husky mm-hmm. as long as we're doing this. And, you know, for your boss to invite you to have an extra cheeseburger is not something that happens in Hollywood that often. So I, I said, you know, I want to be a good employee. I want to keep you happy. I'm going to do what needs to be done. And so I, I carried an extra 30, 40 pounds th- <laughs> through the run of that show. And then afterwards, all of the job opportunities that came my way were were... Overweight ex-athletes in their briefs, crying in the mirror. <laughs> in their briefs. That yeah. was yeah. Yeah. They're, they're always in their tidy whities <laughs> looking in a mirror, crying. That was my my pigeonhole, um, and I said this is this is fun, this is one color, but I'd like to see some other opportunities, so I trimmed down. You know, most people in your profession.
0: Who are married in, in, in this acting strangeness that goes on with it, um, would like to keep everything private, and sure. yet the two of you decide to do a tour in which the intimate details of your sex life are basically the source material for the laughs.
1: Well, if What's that discussion that goes on between the two of you? It, it was sort of born of, uh, of this phenomenon where... Um our fan base, at least, expressed a fascination with our relationship. I think it's because we've been together for 18 years, mm-hmm. and merely by by not breaking up, we have become astonishing. <laughs> uh, 18 years together, that's over 100 years in Hollywood marriage <laughs> years. <laughs> and so uh, we, we decided we wanted to tour together. We'd been touring separately, me as a humorist, and she with her band Nancy and Beth and it, it's a lot of fun we love doing it but we miss each other so we said what what can we do to tour together and we said well let's come up with a show uh, and let's you know let's make fun of our marriage that people make such a big deal out of and so it's you know it's uh, it's not particularly factual it's it's more written to take the piss out of our, the reality of our relationship, as it were. But you
0: and Megan met
1: while acting in something, right? You were doing a play together. We did. Megan and I met doing a play in Los Angeles in the year 2000 that was a strange uh, comic dramedy uh, based on a couple Bertolt Brecht plays with some music in it. It was called The Berlin Circle by Charles Mee. And uh, we were just immediately taken with each other's sense of humor. So with you and Megan, it was love at first sight? I, I don't think it was. <laughs> um, Did you ever ask her? Well, we've, we've, we've talked about it a lot. A lot, yeah. Uh, I was living in my friend's unfinished basement at the time. Mm-hmm. I, I had just moved from Chicago. Uh, I hadn't had a TV for about 10 years because I, was, uh, I had my nose in the air because I was a theater artist. Mm-hmm. Yes, t- television <laughs> was beneath me. And so when they told me that uh, this successful sitcom actress was going to be the lead of the play, I said, I know you mean that as an incentive, but I'm not interested in working <laughs> with with television folk. He sent her away. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the ignorance of youth. And, mm-hmm. um, and And so that summer when we met, I... Then watched some reruns of Will and Grace, and the first—it's funny. It took me two episodes. The first episode, I said, oh, "I feel so bad for these people. <laughs> this is this is so embarrassing. It's so their work is so broad." And somewhere in the second, somewhere in the second episode, I said, "These are damn geniuses," and I, I have to see if I can get a job like this. <laughs> and uh, and by the third episode, I. I I said, I believe I may need to try and bed this lady. Um, but it took, it took a while because Megan was, was uh, at a very high point she, in her career. She was about to win her first Emmy in a, oh, in yeah. a couple of months. Oh, yeah. Talk about uh, standing on a certain platform. Yeah. And I think, I think that also brought with it, despite my youthful foolishness, there was also just some uh, human insecurity of this is a big shot, and she was gorgeous, and v- always very fashionably turned out. Mm-hmm. You know, she dresses in in a in a very creative, uh, artistic way that I find quite fetching. And so, you know, deep down, I think there was that sensibility of I'm I'm just a a stage carpenter donkey. You know, I I, I don't think I could ever turn this lady's head. And so it was by exchanging our senses of humor that was my in, um, where where we began to notice each other and, and say, oh, I think we're going to be great friends. And as she puts it, a couple weeks in, she thought, I kept making her laugh, and then one day she thought, wait, is this guy cute? I don't. It, <laughs> is he? And it, that was that was just the crack I needed in the dike, as it were, um, and now. It's a, it's, a, it's a running river. I think it's a
0: great irony that, <laughs> that on Will and Grace that you appear as this character's name, what is Jackson Boudreau, <laughs> who has sex with both Will and Grace. It's a, it's, if, if anybody were cameoing on a series like Will and Grace, that is absolutely the part. You cannot be
1: forgotten. It's a, I couldn't believe it. Uh, Jackson Boudreau, the bad boy of bread. <laughs> Uh, to, you know, I'd been around that family uh, for as long as I've known Megan for mm-hmm. 18 years. And so to be cast by them as someone who Will and Grace could find attractive was an impossibility for me. No one in my lifetime that I've seen makes comedy as classic, and as magnificent as Jim Burroughs And the cast and writers of Will and Grace And so to get handed that juicy guest star role Was such an incredible privilege And it was really hard not to just giggle with delight I mean, I, had, I was starstruck mm-hmm. I've known them forever But I was like, oh my god I have a scene with Will and Grace <laughs> And she's got a mouthful of bread <laughs> This is so funny
0: Well, it's not like you didn't have your years of this sitcom glory you know
1: sure but thank you and but parks and rec shoots much more like a film it's (coughs) single camera so it doesn't carry there's something high pressure about a single or about a multi-cam in front of a live audience it's very fast moving everything is meticulously timed out Mm -hmm. and so for me (coughs) a slow talking deadpan actor to suddenly be in this world where you have to hit your marks, and uh, and Jim Burroughs is standing there, ready to ready to give you a firm slap on the bottom if you make a mistake. the The stakes are high. Wow. Do you miss Parks and Rec? Sure, absolutely. I mean, someone once asked me during the production. <coughs> the show is successful your character is successful are you worried that you'll never work again because of your your mustache and your voice Mm -hmm. have become iconic in this show we did 125 episodes i said if i can never work again in film or tv i'll make that deal i mean to to have an experience where the writing is that incredibly gratifying specifically for my character like the Those geniuses wrote things for me that I never could think of in a million years, you know. And then the fact that they're doing that for eight or ten of us, week after week, uh, on a show that's so full of optimism and goodness and decency. Mm -hmm. The kind of show, that, like Will and Grace, that Megan and I, when we're in public, people will come up to us in tears and say, you know there was a sickness in my family uh, we had a car accident whatever it was we just watched parks and rec we mm-hmm. watched will and grace you helped us like your show was the medicine that you always hoped you would contribute uh when you got into the business and so that's i mean that's that's a dream moment uh and of course i miss it but like any great moment whether it's your years of college or you know the, the, your second marriage, which was the best one, or whatever it is, of course you miss it. But if you know, if you have your head on straight, you understand that life must go on. And the idea of the woodwork
0: that you do—I've been on that website of yours. Thank I've seen you. it. I want a wooden table. I don't want this. this you is, know, this is garbage. This is—it's garbage. <laughs> it's <laughs> like the—it's uh, you know, to me, you are the Daniel Day Lewis of carpentry. <laughs> it's there's there's just something past it. The word master is thrown around too much, but with you it really
1: applies. Well, I I am a student of mastery. E? The, here's the here's the reason I'll never be a master. There are master woodworkers and those people s- devote their lives to mastery. Mm-hmm. I am a dancing clown <laughs> who is lucky enough to get a lot of dancing clown <laughs> gigs. <laughs> And in my spare time, I'm a student of woodworking, woodworking. Hmm. and I'm, I'm thrilled with... built your own canoe. Sure, and it's great, and it, and it keeps the water out, which is the most important <laughs> thing about any, any boat. is It's waterproof, so I'm very proud of it. But I could give you ten people who build canoes that should be in museums. Mm-hmm. This show, first that you've ever been on,
0: ends in song, and you've now done a film that is not a musical per se... Play guitar in it, and I'm assuming that's you. I do play guitar and bass and, and drums, in but the film. we we don't have the guitar or the bass or the drums, but we do have your voice. so can you take us out? Can you do hearts beat loud? Can you do some song that is just in your own heart beating loud <laughs> <laughs> That's a great laugh. This, is, this, yeah.
1: is, this would have been a great thing to tell me uh, last <laughs> no, night. No, we
0: don't do that. It's like a much better thing where you have those moments where uh, there's nothing going on and you can't think of a single
1: song. All right, let me. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna start. I'm not gonna think of the words. I'm just gonna start and see if I get through it. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a verse of uh, a Tom Waits song called Coney Island Baby. That makes me think of my bride. (laughs) Every night she comes to take me out to dreamland. When I'm with her, I'm the richest man in the town. She's a rose, she's a pearl, she's the spin on my world. All the stars make their wishes on her eyes. She's my Coney Island baby. She's my Coney Island girl.
0: I'll oh, send that link immediately to make. It. Mm-hmm. Oui. Yeah you uh,
1: are a pleasure. Thank you. I'm, you know, know, I'm known for my pitch. That's j- perfect pitch. <laughs> You're welcome.